Hey guys, welcome back to Turn Up the Valium. We're very excited to have our two guests. This is a duo interview. As you know, I'm Jess Garzon. And I'm Brittany Starling. And we have... I'm Anton Ding. And I'm Anthony Guan. Welcome, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. So Anton and Anthony are both first-year fellows at Genentech, so all the way from California. Do you want to talk about what functional areas you're in? Yeah. Um, this is Anthony. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is Anthony. 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 Oh, you can edit it out. Okay. This isn't, this isn't like radio. We do a lot of editing. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what? You've never said that before. Why did you just decide I don't to say that? No. Well, I was called. Okay, it's fun. My nickname was Anthony all the way up until sixth grade. So. Because it's like the better name. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I knew okay. a group interview was a good idea. I okay. just knew it. So can I just keep talking? Yeah, yeah. Just, keep, just keep talking. Okay. Dude, um, just, just go. Just go. I got this. <laughs> Hi, this is Anton. I'm in uh, clinical operations at Genentech. All right. Um, this is Anthony, and I'm in regulatory affairs at Genentech, mainly regulatory strategy. Where are you guys both from originally? Uh, I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. So it's like kind of like the frozen tundra of uh, the United States, kind of, you know, in the Midwest. And I went to school down in Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, at Drake University. And Anthony, what about you? I'm from New Jersey originally, central New Jersey, and then I went to Rutgers University. So you guys are out in the West Coast in California. How's that treating you? I love it because, you know, being from Minneapolis, the winters can get really cold. Below 30s, 40s is pretty pretty normal. So having a winter right now that's going to be about 50 degrees, you know, that's shorts weather for me. I really like it. I was I was looking to move somewhere because I had been in New Jersey for a long time. It was probably a bigger move than I would have expected cross country, but it's a great city. It's really diverse, right? Open. I love it. So as fellows based in California, how do you feel like your experience differs from the fellows that are in the New Jersey area? Definitely. I mean, I would say that there are some obvious differences like logistical things. We can't attend every PDD, so we only go every other. And the ones that we aren't able to attend in person, we kind of do like a virtual PDD. We have to have meetings at 4 p.m. on Fridays to accommodate your schedule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's very true. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. And, in, and generally also, like, you know, when we're communicating with a lot of our global affiliates, the hours are tough. You know, if I'm trying to talk with someone that's in Japan, a lot of my meetings are going to be four to seven o'clock in the evening because that's morning time for them. Right. And all of my Europe meetings are all at seven or eight a.m. You have to be fairly flexible when you're trying to work on the West Coast, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And do you guys um, often work with Europe? Yeah. For So for, for particularly in clinical operations, our official title on uh, Genentech's campus is Global Studies Manager. You know, in those studies, a lot of the times we have trials that are starting up in Europe, Asia, uh, Australia. So we have to be very flexible in terms of, you know, when we're having those meetings. And it's fairly common through um, any study that we're doing. Do you get to do any traveling as part of your fellowship? You know, as part of this fellowship, possibly, uh, depends on what countries I'm managing. So right now, I'll be able to go to uh, what they call investigator meetings, which is like when you have like your first sites come on. Basically, you're doing like a huge training for all of these investigators who are going to one location. So right now, we have investigator meetings in San Francisco, France, and Australia. At the moment. Wow, that's so, awesome. Yeah, I would say regulatory doesn't travel that much, but we do work with our like EU partners a lot. There are definitely some hours that come into play there. I feel like most of the time for regulatory, we have earlier hours and then in Europe they have later hours and that's just kind of how it works out with our schedules. So I guess now we can backtrack a little bit and talk <laughs> about your lives before mid-year. So what made you guys want to go into pharmacy school? Oof. What's what's the common answer? I was good at science and math. That's, 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 that's it right <laughs> there. That's, that's the very blanket answer. 
Yeah, um, or like my mom told me so. Uh, <laughs> I wonder that med school yeah. was too long. I don't like touching people. Yeah. That's generally yeah. exactly. the answers you've been hearing. Yeah. Truthfully, it's it's a lot of, like, for me, it was a lot of, I have healthcare family members, like uncles that are doctors, aunts that are pharmacists, and it was something, you know, that I talked to them about, like, back in, like, when I was in eighth grade. And it was something I decided pretty early on. But I also decided, you know, I'm not a big blood person Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and having to handle that. I was like, you know, what's another alternative? And pharmacy was uh, really kind of what I saw really fit with my particular skill set. What about you, Anthony? Definitely. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Uh, My parents come from like a science background. Your parents are chemists? Yeah, they're chemists. Yeah, that's what I thought you had said. Yeah was kind of, I don't want to say pushed towards it, but just exposed to it more in like my childhood and everything. And so it was definitely something I was thinking of when deciding what major or what school I wanted to go to. Yeah, I would say it was a combination of a lot of reasons. So what made you want to do pharmacy as opposed to being a chemist? Gosh, Probably I don't know. More of a people aspect, I would assume. Yeah, I would more assume. of like a people aspect. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, I yeah, I had only, I had never really given much thought to this <laughs> being like, like, wait, why did Existential moment right now. I, yeah. I gotta go be a counselor. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony's like, I'm questioning all my choices up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> that seriously like launched me into some like deep thought right there. Um, I don't know if you know this, but this podcast can really get deep sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> what are the inner workings of your soul? <laughs> that was our next question. So. <laughs> that's, Anton, that's gonna, did you I'm gonna need a question sheet. <laughs> there was one. Wait, was there one? No, oh, no, no. We, we have I mean, one. We have one. Oh. <laughs> you didn't Wait, you didn't over, prepare? Did? <laughs> I didn't prepare at all. Sorry. I was literally prepping all week for this. Oh, you just show up and just you're just gonna improv it. Yeah, Freestyle yeah. it. Yeah. Well, in Anton's defense. He was here on time, so. Oh, yeah. I will, I will take that one. Yeah. I'll take that one, yeah. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners, we're actually yeah. at Rutgers right now in the Ernest Mario School of Pharmacy, and today is fine. Yeah, exciting time. <laughs> yeah. There's currently a line of, I Might as well imagine. be thousands. <laughs> I feel like it, it, it is really exciting. It's like your first exposure to the program as yeah. a whole. Like everyone's there. The fellows are there. Some preceptors are there, but it's a big moment. It is a big moment. It's kind of the moment leading up to mid-year. Are you guys excited about being on the other side of mid-year? Yeah, definitely excited. A little curious to see what it's like, I suppose, like interviewing people and all that. But I mean, it makes me feel better that, I mean, preceptors will be there with me so I can learn from their interview styles, just learn technique from them. Yeah, I, I think it's also like very exciting to meet someone on the other side of the table that maybe we were at one point and like someone that's excited to be in the industry and kind of like, it kind of is refreshing. Yeah. Because, you know, being, you know, in industry for... I guess like five months now, like there are certain parts where you, I get a little jaded. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, I have to do this again. But like, you know, at one point I was really excited about that. And to see people that are going to be excited about it, it's, it's really cool. So, yeah, it's a good no, point. I almost <clears throat> wonder if I'm like, because obviously I answered all of those questions mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. If when the candidates are talking, I'm going to be like, man, my answer was way better than that. <laughs> 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 or on the flip side, maybe I'll be like, man, how did I get this fellowship? Right. <laughs> it's way more qualified. See, that's what I thought when Brittany interviewed. Wow. <laughs> Too cool. Wait, which one? First or no, second? No, the second one. Oh, oh, you're sweet. Yeah, you thought men for a second. Yeah. I just assumed you were being pompous about it. <laughs> no, but you guys will see it's really easy to first pick up on just interviewing someone mm. and then really knowing from like the first two minutes, am I going to move this person on or not? I mean, not to scare anyone that's listening, but you kind of just feel it or you don't. No, yeah. that's true. Because like, you know, some of the like the your first impression. It matters. It matters. 
you know, and sometimes it like kind of represents you. You have to set yourself up right for the rest of the interview. And if you don't set set yourself up right, it can get kind of awkward, Definitely, (laughs) unfortunately. But I think too, not to scare candidates, it's also sort of a thing on your end. I think as a candidate, you know, if it's a fit pretty early on and if that's a company that you really want to go after. Yeah. And that's something I think that you might be nervous to project as a candidate, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting to find a fit for you as well. Yeah. Um, and that's really important. Unfortunately, and like, I think you've realized that a lot more maybe after you've gone on, like into like some later phases of your life, you're like, oh, you know what? Like I was also looking for a fit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's a really important aspect of it. So what made you guys want to go for a fellowship? <laughs> oh, well, uh, truthfully, so, you know, after school, like um, I, I actually didn't go straight into going into a fellowship. I actually worked as a pharmacy manager at a Walmart uh, for about a year and a half. And having that experience kind of, it's very different than what I'm seeing now in the pharmaceutical industry. So, you know, is in retail, it's a lot of that, you know, one-on-one, you have an effect on a patient on a personal level. But at the same time, you know, at least for myself and what kind of the goals I wanted for my career, it was I wanted to do something more. You know, me helping a patient every day is not the same as, you know, coming out with a new standard of care for a drug that can possibly help you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And just seeing that impact for me and kind of realizing that was what kind of drove me more away from retail pharmacy and going into pharmaceutical industry, especially being in clinical operations where I get to work a lot closer with, you know, the clinical trials. I think that's particularly why I went to fellowship and particularly a little bit more into clinical operations as well. So when you graduated from pharmacy school, did you say like, okay, I'm going to work in retail for a little bit then go back and get a fellowship? Or did you go to retail thinking that was what you were going to do? And did retail change your mind? <sighs> well, it's it's kind of a little bit of both where it's like, you know, going into ret- retail for me, I was like, well, it's just a natural course for some people. And I was like, I'll just follow like, you know, it's already the beaten path. You make a lot of money. I imagine know. that money goes pretty far in Des Moines, Iowa. Oh, yeah. Oh, my rent, my <laughs> rent like was king, right? my rent was $500 a month, including utilities. Wow. And I had, a two, awesome. I had a two bedroom house. Wow. So, <laughs> That's insane. So, God, I've made a lot yes. of poor purchases. <laughs> But, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, looking back, you know, for me at the time, I was like, you know, what I want out of my career is not about money. It's what kind of impact I want to do in the healthcare industry. That's so interesting. Like, and yeah. I think it's nice to hear, too, like, even if you don't go straight into industry right yeah. after pharmacy school, like, it doesn't mean that. Yeah, yeah it's not it's not an end all be all because exactly. truthfully, a lot of careers in the industry, you know, they take you know, a lot of skill sets, you know, as a pharmacy manager, I manage people, I managed um, operations at a pharmacy level initiatives in the pharmacy. And a lot of those are transferable skills that you can leverage. So, you know, and even though I only I didn't, I actually did not have any pharmaceutical industry experience in even in pharmacy school, I learned a lot about the fellowship through friends and friends that have been through the Rutgers program, actually. So that's a really important point. That like I think like everyone listening and candidates should know is you don't have to have industry experience prior yeah. to applying for fellowships. It's not like a prerequisite yeah. that you have to have interned or done a rotation at like a pharmaceutical company. We're really looking for potential. Yeah, potential. Do they have the necessary skills, mm-hmm. characteristics, things like that? And yeah. Anthony, why did you decide to go for a fellowship? I guess I'll break it into two parts, like why industry and like really speaking to Anton's point, it's like affecting patients on like a global basis. 
Um, I think it's really exciting. I also really enjoy working with a lot of other educated professionals. I work with a lot of like PhDs, MDs, masters, other PharmDs. It's a great work environment to be in. It's challenging. So that's why I like industry. Why I went for a fellowship, it's a proven pathway into industry. It is possible to get into industry without doing a fellowship, but I think a fellowship really jumpstarts your career, kind of accelerates you in the beginning of your career. And uh, yeah, it's a proven pathway into industry. Yeah, and I think a big piece of it is like the network that you have. Definitely, yeah. It yeah. really makes a difference is just talking to people in other companies and hearing what their experience is like and yeah. what their yeah. company culture is. Yeah, and in our positions like at Rutgers, you know, it's a, we're in a unique position because when else are we going to collaborate, you know, talk to like 20 other different pharmaceutical companies. So, you know, I think, you know, at least in that aspect, it's, you know, the program kind of speaks for itself and having that network is, is invaluable. And Plus, you make some friends too. Oh, <laughs> y'all! They just hugged. It's so cute. <laughs> I We're not too. as weird as we sound. <laughs> I promise. I think too. The at least for me, I kind of think of the fellowship as like having immunity for two years. Mm -hmm. So, like, I can try a lot of stuff, and if I do a horrible job, which obviously I don't try to do a horrible <laughs> yeah, job, yeah, yeah, it's like fellow. Yeah, people. People are just like, oh, just a fellow. <laughs> yeah. But then when you do good work, people are really impressed. Yeah, yeah. You're the like, bar oh, that? A yeah, yeah. The bar is set pretty low. So yeah. it's really it's a win-win all around. Yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Sure. definitely. <laughs> what point, is though, yeah. uh what is y'all's best memory from mid-year? From wait, best memory from mid-year. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. Someone stole my CVs, my badge, and my water bottle. Why? And half my business cards. That's your best memory? Wait, CVs and your badge? <laughs> well, Why like, would they steal your CVs? Not though? best memory, but most prominent memory. Uh, okay. Because I, I go back, because it was just after first round interviews. And like, mm -hmm. so I go in the second day, you know, I'm like, okay, like everyone has like their spot in the room where they leave their stuff. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm gonna leave my stuff here. Behind I this, did not leave my stuff behind anywhere. this pipe. I was like, no one else, no one else's stuff is behind this pipe. Like so naive. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I come back from the interview and like all of my stuff is gone. And it's not like they couldn't find me because it has my CVs, my business info. cards, my contact info. Yeah. So Some, is this someone's a case playing of, around. Like identity theft, or was someone trying to sabotage you? Do you have en enemies out there in the world? I I didn't think so. Not how could you, know, you have any enemies? <laughs> I am a nice guy, and I don't. I don't think anyone has anything against me. My theory is it was someone from Genentech that wanted you to come only to Genentech <laughs> and didn't want you to give your CV to any other companies. They were doing like a little competitive intelligence on oh, you. Oh wow, well, that's a good way. That's to wishful it, yeah. thinking. But <laughs> if that was the that case, really nice. Whoever did that, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I guess I wouldn't be I wouldn't be where I am today without getting my CV stolen. <laughs> Good like, attitude. <laughs> so wait, what did you do then? Did you have to explain the whole story? Thankfully enough, I had four CVs left in my binder, like the binder I bring into you interviews. You go into your interviews like you can look, but I need it back. <laughs> well, it was yeah. Actually, I was like, fair warning. Um, I might need that CV back. Because I don't have any more. Because <laughs> it was like, okay, it's like I was like pretty intense about my CVs. You know, I like had to drive 20 minutes out of the city, go get like so what, get 24 the... pound paper <laughs> at a FedEx. But yeah, so maybe not the best memory, but like, um, you know, it a was memory. it was a memory, I guess. From, from, from India. <laughs> um, Mitchell was really rough. Uh, <laughs> best memory. I think I went out with my buddies on Tuesday night. 
And it was just great to finally relax. And I mean, mid-year, of course, the result turns out differently for everyone. But I think it's I think it's just really rewarding to know that you made it through it. Mm-hmm. It's a really grueling process. You know, you go through interviews, rounds of interviews, and then you go through receptions too. And you've got to be on 24-7. You're yeah. on your A-game all the time. You're researching in your off time as well. And I think that's just really rewarding when you can look back and say, okay, I gave my all and I did my best. It's a much better answer than mine. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. <laughs> Who's winning now? <laughs> Speaking of mid-year, Anthony, you have a special position in the fellowship program. Yes. Um, so I'm on mid-year committee. So I will see you all at the upcoming mid-year. What made you decide to go for mid-year committee? Definitely, yeah. I think like being on mid-year committee, it stemmed from just going through mid-year, wanting everyone to have as good of, if not a better experience than you did. And like being in a position that you can have influence over that is what made me want to do it. Um, my second year in regulatory over at Genentech, Anna Gruzman, is also on media committee. So, I mean, it's really helpful to have someone there in person that I consult rather than having to call someone. And that's not to say that that wouldn't work out, but it's just I, I see it as an advantage that my second year in my functional area at Genentech is also on media committee. I actually considered applying for the mid-year committee co-chair when I first started. I, I ended up not applying. But anyway, mm-hmm. the reason I did was I heard it's a really good way to network with outside companies and kind of people in upper management in those outside companies, just a really good way to network. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say it's a really good way to network. I've been no I, I think the best part of it is that just because there's so much stuff that needs to be done and it involves other committees, you really get to know people from other companies. And especially being on the West Coast, since we're not geographically close to everyone, it's a really good opportunity to network. I'm close with my with my first year co-chair, um, Nathan Fons over at Novartis, and I'm, I'm positive that that isn't an experience or a relationship that I would have been able to build up to this point if I weren't on mid-year committee. So as you said, you guys are on the West Coast. Most people are on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Because you're somewhat isolated, I guess, do you think you guys hang out more outside of work than you would if there was like more options, I guess? Yes, Anthony is nodding enthusiastically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, in, in the case of like the West Coast, the majority of us are not from the West Coast. Yeah. And so in that sense, all of us had to move there and we've all shared that experience of like weirdly going on Craigslist and hoping <laughs> that you meet up with someone and they don't kill you. Um, and you're talking getting, for apartment hunting. For apartment hunting. Yeah. I'm but sorry. friend hunting too, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah, friend hunting at the <laughs> same not, time. I have a friend hunting Anton's, on Craigslist. Yeah. Anton's on those Craigslist personals. Yep. Checking them out. You know, looking, looking for... <laughs> Whoa there. Friend <laughs> seeking friend. <laughs> But, okay. No, no. Um, If if it's a Minnesotan in San Francisco, just, it's probably Anton. Just beware. Just beware. Oh my gosh. But no, I don't know. I think, I think, I think we definitely hang out. I think, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that we're on the West Coast and kind of like siloed from the other companies, just like in terms of geography and everything, I think that is a factor in why we hang out often together. I think we click well as a group. Like what Anton was saying, most of us did move away from home, which is a huge thing to do. It's great that the program at Genentech and, and there's a program at Engine too, that they're growing and there's there's more people there. So the move is, I guess, a little less frightening. Yeah. And I think start out. a lot of the times, like the program like, helps like facilitate that as well. Yeah. Like, you know, having like a structure, like, for example, like we do have a social, ch- I'm the social chair for uh, Genentech. And a lot of the times, you know, I, it's kind of like a duty bound thing where like I try to make sure, you know, we have at least like one group to get together a month. And, What's you know, been your most successful event? <laughs> Once a month. It's more like twice a week. <laughs> no with everyone as i'm saying oh, with everyone yeah yeah, yeah. but mo- um, most successful i'd probably say like mika's birthday yeah so like we had a weekend where we had 
12 to 13 of us go across the Golden Gate Bridge to what they call Sausalito. So it's North Bay. So it's actually really far and very inconveniently located. Yeah. But um, what we ended up doing was... And this was, was the most successful event? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> what, weirdly enough, like everyone went and then um, we all, we had lunch at, lunch at like a small like uh, burger place. And then we hiked up to the top of uh, what they call Battery Spencer, but it's a really great lookout point really to great. see the to see the Golden Gate Bridge. And you, it was like a clear day, Very perfect day to see it. And then at the end of the day, we ended up walking back across the Golden Gate Bridge back to like the San Francisco side. Nice. That um, sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. Yeah. It was really nice. It was someone's birthday. And we tried to celebrate everyone's birthday. We tried to plan like their own types of events for, for their birthday, which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind really of cool. Cultivate those friendships. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All three of us at Roche, our birthdays are all in August, like within really? two weeks. Yeah. No way. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Outside of work, outside of pharmacy, do you guys have any hobbies? No. <laughs> <laughs> None. Anthony's um, busy with mid-year committee. That's your hobby. He uh, he started uh, he started biking. He started biking uh, to the bus stop to work. Right. Oh it's, oh oh okay. Yeah he but yeah uh, but he he had a he had a little stitch with the uh, with scootering to work but you know he thought it was lame. Are you talking about Anthony or are you talking about yourself? Oh Anthony. Oh okay. No Why he's talking about himself. So no, this is definitely Anthony. Uh, no. I need to hear this stitch yes. with the scootering. Please tell. Or is this your most embarrassing story? <laughs> Or do you it have two? Honestly, it may be. I think it may be. He just comes it in. It was work. more embarrassing because I'm now like an adult. And I was, uh, so this is, this counts as my embarrassing moment. I live like over a mile from, from my bus stop. So it's a little much to walk to the bus stop every morning as well as walk back after work. So I was, I, you know, I'm, I'm brainstorming ways to get to the bus and I'm thinking, cause I don't have a car, so I can't just drive directly into work. So I'm thinking my initial thought was, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get a skateboard. And then I was like, oh, I'll get a long How Cali of you. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's very Californian of me. And I was like, I think I can make this work. So I ordered a longboard. And I actually ended up getting three instead of one um, because there was For like all three issues. legs, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I got like a longboard. Wait, can I? I'll be, I'll be right back. Anton, do you have any hobbies outside of work? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess um, for me, my hobby is actually longboarding. Really? Yeah, I actually, out of Anthony's whole kind of sitch i got a free longboard because he ordered three <laughs> nice. and he got them all for free because he kept thinking they weren't coming but they were actually like kept at the post office <laughs> but i, I might have just stolen his mom but yeah so, so he's I like i got this p.o box and now they're not delivering anything to my house right. like, <laughs> but yeah so i do love to longboard back in minnesota i snowboarded i'm really big into whiskey so i love i love uh, whiskey tasting beer things like that what else i like to do for the most part like those are kind of like the main things I do to kind of, you know, after a long day at work, like longboarding is usually one of the things that I do to kind of like cool off because it's like a form of exercise and it's like the feeling of just like cruising down. Is it a like little a scary zone. with all the hills? So I, I actually live in um, a part of San Francisco that's not as hilly. Okay. But, you know, when you are like carving hills, like it can be kind of daunting, um, especially because I'm the type that does not wear helmets. What? So, oh. yeah, my mom would kill me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, in, in the drivers in San Francisco are, are a bit crazy, too. But, um, you know, it's just it's just like knowing the roads. Like a lot of the times I try to take, you know, I try to board on roads that are kind of less uh, traveled through. I haven't like crashed or injured myself yet. yet Don't so. say yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. I have not I have not crashed. End of story. <laughs> Anthony, have you had any crashes? Um no. Well not recently, like when I was younger. But mm -hmm. like not into a car, just like myself. 
Um, but let's get back to the story. <laughs> Wait, crash! Like, myself. Yeah. Wait, what are we talking about? Like longboarding or like? You guys were at a Dave like, Matthews concert right now. Crash into me. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we were just talking about how like I was like off of your story. I was like, oh, like I like to longboard. Yeah, and that's how I got a free longboard. But like, From you me. don't a longboard. Do I you? don't longboard. Yeah, why? Why is that? PSA: Longboarding is harder than it looks, folks. <laughs> PSA: No, it's not. <laughs> Okay, I mean, that's that might be true, too. Is the longboarding <laughs> the scooter, or is there also a scooter? No, longboarding is a kind of a form of... Uh, it's oh, like sorry. Sim- I mean, because you said a scooter situation earlier. Oh, yeah. It's because he couldn't longboard, so he switched <laughs> to scootering. Well, you uh, know, okay. it's, I was carrying a gym bag, too. So. <laughs> okay, so what we understand, you had three longboards, <laughs> and you were trying to go to the bus stop. I was, like, trying to get to the bus stop. I don't think I even longboarded. You know what? Wait, I don't think I ever actually tried to longboard to work because it was ju- it would actually just have taken way too long. You just looked at it and you were like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, like, tried to take it around the block a couple times, and I was like, I was like, this isn't working. Like, I can't do this. It um, takes so long to put on the wrist guards and the knee pads. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just come into work, like, fully protected. Like, just, like, just decked out. Hockey goalie all the way. <laughs> but, yeah, so that didn't work out. So I was going to buy, like, an electric scooter, but it turns out those are actually, like, really expensive. $1,000. Like, literally, yeah, like $1,000. So then I was like, okay, like, I'll just buy, like, a normal scooter. And I think that's where the mistake was. <laughs> like, I'm picturing, like, a Razor scooter. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> like, it, it it said Razor on it. Yep. <laughs> and then I saw, what, what color was it? Like, a, like an electric it was blue? Like, it was, like, an electric blue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It rode, weird. it rode really well, though. Like, it I got love... me an A to B and picturing you like popping around san francisco like beep beep on your it <laughs> was, scooter i walked home with him once it was hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i honestly can't believe i kept it for as long as i did there's a homeless guy that like yelled at you anyway that's gone now and now i ride a bike and i just throw it underneath the bus which is I feel like much more normal. Clarification: He puts it in the in the, the storage compartment. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate the bike. I wanted to get run over. I throw it under the bus every time. But what's your ho- like? What's your hobby? Like, what, what are my hobbies? hobbies? <laughs> um, I'm huge on football. I love football. Football is like my number one sport. Basketball. I've been getting more into recently. College or pro? Pro. Other than that, I like listening to music and podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> Long walks on the beach. Turn up the Valium podcast. <laughs> Then, um, oh, I love watching TV. Stranger Things season two. Woo-woo. I was gonna say totally tubular. What you said? <laughs> yes. Like totally tubular. But, Do people um, in San Francisco say totally tubular? No, they surprisingly don't. And I think there's like this misconception. <laughs> that is a letdown. Yeah, amongst really, like non-Californians. So, but that, actually, like, though, so like I used to go to like Southern California a lot. If you're like in Orange County, Laguna Beach, it's real. It's totally like, tubular. It's it's like. Uh, I think one time I was at the beach and he goes, hey guys, like, don't mean to like, <laughs> don't mean to ruin like your rocking day at all, but like, can you like move to the side a bit? <laughs> wow, that accent was you, like, spot on. We're not in Iowa yeah. anymore. Was I was yeah. like, well, okay. <laughs> well, let me just grab my corn and I'll over there. <laughs> but corn is delicious. Um, so but, Anton. Yeah. Are you ready to tell us your embarrassing story? Yes. It's it's both embarrassing and traumatizing. Um, <laughs> Perfect. The best yeah, kind. I already love yeah. it. So much so, it's from when I was three. So I was at... I don't even know... Can three-year-olds be embarrassed? I guess so. <laughs> I think what ends up happening is like, well, I just ended up crying. 
okay. And it's like you're crying of embarrassment. Just let it, just lay it on us. I know. I'll just, I'll just switch. This is also a therapy session at the same time. <laughs> I need to get over it. So when I was three, my mom brought us to a zoo. We were up in Canada at the time. And there's a, an exhibit where it's just like, it's like a petting zoo. Except for some reason, this petting zoo, it was all deer. Just all deer. <laughs> Um, Somebody was like, I know how to make a lot of money yeah. with few resources. <laughs> and it was literally all deer. And I asked my mom for a quarter and I go and I go get like some food out of that little, you know, a little crank thing. I got some food in my hand. Go walk up to like one of the deer. And like, yeah, one of the deer starts like, you know, eating like eating the food out of my hand. I was like really excited. <laughs> but then another deer instead comes Bites me and then rips me to the ground. Oh and I start getting like trampled by deer. <laughs> oh my god. And then oh my, my mom god. comes, pulls me out, and brings me to the bathroom. And I'm literally covered in deer shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there crying on the counter as my mom's cleaning off all the crap. Oh, does, does she have photos? Like, no. no. Will you send them to us? We'll post them on Instagram. Yeah. She's like, I know you're upset. Let me take your photos. <laughs> There was a time when, when iPhones were, were not thing yet. Uh, yeah, so that was probably when, like, I'm still very afraid of deer. But it's a pretty... I'm just, like, picturing you seeing a deer and then just, like, just shaking, just trembling, just like, oh, my goodness. I think Flashback. that deer saw you and was like, I can take this kid. <laughs> I was three. I was three. But, um, but yeah, so that was... It's a pretty traumatizing moment for me when I was little, but embarrassing at the same time because it was a very prominent. Definitely, memory. anytime you're covered in animal poop is right. Embarrassing. Yeah, Any, anytime sure. you're covered in any sort of poop, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's for the fact of the matter. Look for yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for coming and yeah, to be thanks guests. for having us on the show. It has truly been a delight. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Guys, Thank you. If you liked what you heard, please go on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe.